What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Uh, today's guest on the show is Kel Van Syce. Um, Kel is a contributing editor at Foiling Magazine. He's a graduate studies professor and a sustainability-driven engineer. Um, what was fun about having Kel on the show is that his role at Foiling Magazine is testing gear. So he's ridden a lot of the foils out there and he is also independent, which gave us a platform um, to talk openly about what we've ridden, how things feel, what we like. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to Kel. He's a very well thought out individual. I think he's 24 years old right now, wise beyond his years. Uh, and his insights into foiling are somewhat parallel to mine um, in regards to the way that he sees things. Um, we agreed on most of, of the talking points that, that we discussed today. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with Kel. Before we dive in, a couple notes on what's going on. I picked up the wing um, the other day. It's flat here. And... We had a day where it was blowing perfectly flat west at, I don't know, 20 gusting 30, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, haven't been on the wing in about eight months. Took it out and popped up right away, you know. Um, in that much wind, it was pretty easy to get up. It was flying, going really fast, but had a little puncture in the wind, in the wing. And with the wind at 20 to 30, um, I was going upwind, no problem, staying close to the beach, but then as the wing started to deflate a little bit, I lost the ability to go upwind. So I kept flying. I did a few miles along the beach, but after I passed the pier and, and, and got a little bit north, I realized I was out um, probably about a quarter mile. Um, it was flat. You know, I'm not worried about it, but ended up being a pretty epic paddle in. It was one of those paddles in where I had a bunch of tourists standing on the beach watching to make sure that it was okay. A <laughs> uh, little bit of humble pie, probably about 20, 25 minutes paddling, grinding against the wind to get in. Um, so that wasn't that fun, but I really enjoyed being on the wing. I'm going to dive in a little bit more. I think we've got a, a whole week of it being flat with a couple of days of wind. So I'm going to see how far I can get in that time before the waves come back. As soon as the wave comes back, I'm sure that it'll be all back to surfing. But fun departure. It's just beautiful to have another aspect of the sport that I can dive into. And, and it's also incredibly fun to be at the beginning of the learning curve on something, to be able to go out and every day have you know two or three things that you can accomplish that you've never done before. I think that's such a fun place to be. Um, I find that foiling learning curve and just surf foiling is so long that I'm still able to uh, learn something on most sessions. But now it's come into the more nuanced part of the sport to where it's a, it's a small feel. It's, you're not having something that's just you know, groundbreaking every day. But um, super fun to hop on the wing and been testing a bunch of new gear. The uh, 1210 Kajir just came and that thing's a monster. I did a, uh, a mile the other night on a little half a foot shore runner, one of my longer uh, shore runner runs and it wasn't in much wind or uh, wave energy. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun days on that foil. It doesn't turn quite as good as the 980. I didn't expect it to, but it definitely has a lot of efficiency. It's a, uh, a very fun 
foil, but I didn't like it with the stock tail. My first session on it with the stock tail, I, I, I didn't think it was going to um, really fit a spot in the quiver because it just felt so locked in and didn't want to roll over. But uh, once I put on pretty much my smallest profiled tail, um, it really lit it up. I mean, the difference between going from the stock tail on the 980 to the custom tail that I ride um, and then the 1210 to the custom tail I ride was massive. I mean, three or four times um, more um, like the difference, the, the, the difference in how it surfed was three or four times greater on the 1210 than on the 980. Um, there's a theory that the ratio between uh, foil and tail, um, the bigger that ratio is, the more that, uh, that, that, that it kind of loosens it up. I don't know if that could be true though, because you know, the, um, the Kajira stock tail, I'm just thinking of this through right now, Kajira stock tail isn't that much bigger than mine. It just has a lot more downforce. And that down curve seems to lock you in. I like I like a lot of flat tails now. So, anyways, I digress. Let's uh, let's hop in uh, with Kel. Thank you guys all for tuning in. I appreciate it. And hit me with questions, com uh, comments, and feedback. I will uh, get back to you. Um, I tend to batch responses in my DMs now. Sit down, you know, once or twice a week. So if it's a couple of days and I haven't gotten back to you, don't stress about it. It's just because uh, I tend to batch it so that it's, you know, just sit down and kind of knock it all out. But um, all right, a lot, lot of exciting shows coming up too. Um, just recorded one of my favorite shows ever with Ben Fernie, who is a record holder in the air chair or was. I don't know if he currently is, but he's been foiling for over 15 years and. I learned more in that show than probably any other show just because his perspective is so different, but his passion for, for foiling is huge. Uh, and now he's into um, prone foiling, but he's bringing this wealth of knowledge into uh, prone into prone foiling from, from a different perspective, going much faster, much more consequence. Um, so you guys are going to all love that show, and that's going to come out in the next couple of days. So, all right, let's dive in with Kel, and thank you for tuning in. Kel, thank you for coming on the Progression Project podcast. How are you? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. We have a mutual friend, and uh, Steve, and he put us in touch because um, he knows that we're into all the same awesome foiling stuff, and I thought it would be a super, super fun conversation to have. So start off by just giving us a background of what you do in foiling, starting with you know writing for Foiling the Mag and all the rest of it, and then we can get into all the really fun stuff. So I am uh, the contributing editor at Foiling Magazine. Um, I'm also a designer and a photographer, and I teach. Um, I first got into touch with Foiling Magazine back in 2019. It was actually thanks to Brian Finch from Foil the World, uh, who connected us and thought that I'd be a good fit as the uh, magazine had just finished releasing its first issue. Um, and since then I've had the opportunity to kind of grow the work that I do there from the occasional test up to proposing new forms of content, uh, testing more and more kind of leading my own testing, um, as putting together feature stories, uh, doing them myself, going out on adventures. And, uh, as of about, let's see, I think we're on week six now. 
So it's been about six weeks that I am now doing the weekly newsletter called the Friday Pump, which comes to all you subscribers uh, every Friday. Epic. Um, what a dream job, being able to test foils. It's my favorite thing right now. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> um, what are you testing lately? What are you liking? Let's start off on some gear talk and then we'll wind our way around. So I have the opportunity right now um, to be riding actually an older foil. Usually I'm used to riding, you know, what's new, what's coming out, what's just come out. Um, but I currently have an MFC Hydros uh, 1250 under my feet. And that is uh, part of a test which I'm doing, which is kind of running for the next uh, four months or so, which uh, sort of preempts the new Helios release, um, their new interesting kind of high aspect, uh, mid high aspect wing, uh, which I've seen a lot of, uh, spy shots of here and there, uh, in the works and got me really excited. So I reached out to PO, uh, and asked him if he would be interested in doing a test. And he said, well, yeah, let's get a hydros over to you. And that gives me a nice, uh, kind of intro to the family. I've only ridden a hydros once before, and that was almost two years ago. So I have a hydros under my feet right now. Um, and I'll be getting the Helios when it's released, uh, in March. The Hydros is a foil that when I got it, I was not ready for. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a beautiful foil. I love, I love, it was the first foil that I felt that I felt like it was slippery in the water. I couldn't believe how fast it was. And at that point mm. I didn't have the skill set to keep the speed, you know, cause I was still, my framework was still pumping instead of turning for speed. Right. And so my gaps in, um, understanding or ability, uh, the, the hydros didn't fill them at that point in time, but going back to it now, it's, uh, it's quite, it was way ahead of its time. It's kind of like some of the early lift gear where exactly. Yeah. Maybe talk about those feels. Yeah. I, um, it's funny. So I, as, uh, Probably most of everybody who's listening, uh, and I think you probably fall in this category uh, as well. We've been on the high aspect trip for the last little while. Um, and that's been what I've been on for the last, for the, uh, at least the last, I would say probably four to four, four, three, four months. Um, and I've been riding the uh, lift uh, high aspect 170. Um, and How good is that? Uh, that was originally for a review for, uh, it was a lift 170 with the 25 tail, uh, mm -hmm. with, uh, the 28 inch mast. Um, that was originally sent over, um, for a review, uh, test and review for the magazine. Um, and then, uh, I emailed Nick saying I have to buy one of these. Uh, <laughs> and he very generously, uh, let me keep it as my own personal setup. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that because I would have gone out and and bought one from the closest possible retailer. <laughs> I was very impressed by that. Um, anyhow, and so that's what I was coming from was riding this lift and riding several other high aspect wings, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, so jumping onto the MFC was interesting because it was the first sort of lower aspect uh, wing, um, uh, some real surf wing uh, that I've ridden in, in a while. Uh, and it was kind of a shock initially. Uh, I'm like, oh, wow, I can't pump this thing. Um, you know, the, the speed was quite different. Uh, it's funny how you were, you were saying, you know, the, the wing was very fast. The MFC felt quite fast when we first uh, got it a number of years ago. 
Um, of course, things have evolved and our relative uh, understanding of speed has, has also changed. Um, but after about three sessions, I think I would say this morning was, I think it was my fifth session on it. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I feel right at home. And, uh, what's really funny is I'm, I'm having a lot of fun on it, just surfing again, just really that, that surf boiling feel, you know, hitting the white water, doing little snappy turns, rail grab turns and small waves. And just, I don't know, there's something about it that really gets me jazzed. Um, and even though it's, it's amazing to think the thing is nearly what, three or four years old, I think since it was first uh, released, um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, it's still an incredible foil to ride. Yeah, it's um, it's good. What fuse? You, what fuse are you running on that? Oh boy, I should know. I'm failing the test here. I think I'm uh, running the 63. Does that sound correct? I'm riding whatever the stock one is that they sent with it. Yep, uh, I think that's a 63. That's the, the 55 okay. lights that thing up. The the um, in small surf, if you can get your hands on a 1600 with the 55, and I chop my tail down. That, that's a magic combo in little waves. It's really wow. fun. The, the problem is, and this is something that we can get into a little bit, and I found this on like the HS 1250 now, is it seems like the dihedral, but with the slight down tips like the MFC, tends mm -hmm. to not handle a breach well in a turn. And with the 1600, that held me back a little bit because I couldn't push turns on it because once you kind of let that tip go, if you've got some pressure in the, in the turn, then it's kind of game over your potholing. Um, that's like the only drawback I have. I, I almost wish that they just made a 75 or 80 mast for it just to give it a little bit more right. space to, to roll, to roll over into your turns. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, although I have to say, uh, it, it has surprised me a bit. Um, I'm riding it in, you know, surf the size of where you are, uh, to uh, overhead paddling in um and that 70 mast as as much as i thought oh no i'm going to be going back to something short because I, I was riding a 33 inch for quite a while uh, mm -hmm. for, for the last few months um it's actually been okay it's been fine um i, I think it's been riding on the 1250 on the 1600 right. the spans what four inches wide or something like that and the foil is still right. fast and it's loose and it turns good but then you just don't have a whole lot of space your margins get real small um, it makes you, it makes you a better foiler, but it, it's harder to kind of, I don't like safety surfing. Um, right. But yeah, the right. 1250, I never had that issue. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this too, but I've, I've had a lot of, uh, evolution on my thinking when it comes to masts. I feel like I've kind of, uh, master struts, however, however you want to call them there. I, uh, I've come full circle, <laughs> I want to say with what I initially thought I wanted, what I rode for a while, and then what I realized I actually like riding now. So um, just go with it. Yeah. So I, um, should I, shall I go through the, uh, yeah, not, go through your evolution long of, launcher of list of what my evolution has been with gear. Yeah. Um, so I initially, so the very first exposure I had to a hydrofoil was riding a, um, Taroa uh, Sword 2, which was a uh, racing kite foil, I believe, on 95 or 105 deep tuttle on a race kite board behind a boat. Um, I'd never been on a foil before, so that was baptism by, like, not even by fire. That was baptism by, like, full-blown nuclear explosion. Um, <laughs> Stall speed, and, uh, like, 20. 
Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> super sharp, terrifying, like no concept of how to handle that much flex in a mast. No idea of what even flying was like. Um, I'm just lucky I didn't poke my eye out. Um, and then I went from there to kite foiling uh, on a variety of things from essentially an air chair foil uh, to uh, a race kite foil. Um, and then my first surf foil experience was with uh, actually with Steve. Uh, Sugar Root, our, our mutual friend, um, who put me on a whole host uh, of foils, um, which at the time, I think the variety probably wasn't that great because this was in, in early 2018. Um, anyways, I ended up leaving Steve's with a gift of a Carbon Innovations, uh, probably, I want to say somewhere 1,000 to 1,200, probably, sized wing. Um, very early foil wing with a, uh, must have been a 26 or 24 inch aluminum liquid force mast. Um, not sure what the fuselage was at the time. Essentially it was what the, um, what cloud nine started on. Yeah. Basically yeah. it was a sister to the original cloud nine P 27, I believe. Uh, it was something like that. Um, so I rode that for a while. Um, big board, I, I guess we can, we'll get into boards later, but then from there, I moved on to uh, Cloud9 S24. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up moving out here to Santa Barbara and getting to be friends with uh, Chris at Cloud9. Um, so I ended up riding an S24. Uh, that was with their standard, I want to say it must have been a 27 or 28-inch um, aluminum mast. Um, and then from there, I started riding carbon stuff. Uh, this was before Cloud9 had released their carbon masts. Um, I started writing carbon stuff on Starboard's foils, which not a lot of people have heard of Starboard in the surf foil world because they're they're all up in, in wind, wind surf foiling. Um, that was, I believe, a 29 or a 30. Um, and then that sort of just evolved to writing a 32 and then a 33 um, carbon mast. And that's what I was writing on high aspect. That's what I was writing for towing on small low aspect wings. Um, and then now I have come kind of back down to that 28, 29 inch range. Um, and now I'm even happy, like I was saying earlier, riding that, um, that 70 from MFC, mm -hmm. at least on, on that wing. Uh, but I've certainly experienced kind of the full gamut of, as the quality of mass construction has uh, increased, uh, and they've gotten stiffer, uh, and the flex and the reflex patterns have gotten sort of more sorted out. Um, I, you know, I'm also riding a, been riding taller masts, so they're a little more rideable, more surfable. But I appreciate the stiffness and the, the directness of a, a shorter mast now um, quite a bit as I sort of transition back from hardcore pumping to uh, more surfing. Yeah. I just got my hands on the Game Changer, which is a very good foil, and the new signature mast. They changed the connection. Um, so anyone out there who's looking at the Game Changer, they have a new mast now, and it's the same insert from the fuse to the mast, but they've added a bolt and the bolt sizes are different. So you can adapt your old mast to the new foil. It's not that hard. You can drill out your new foil um, and you can and you can use the old foils um, on the new mast with just adding a washer in and you can drill in a, a third hole if you'd like to but i'm really impressed with the flex pattern or the limited amount of flex and the new taper to the new mast i mean it's a it's a pretty big step up um in feel and the other thing that i was just blown away by is that i've been riding like a lot of 75 inch or 75 centimeter uh mass like the takuma um 
I don't know, I probably have some other ones down there too. The lift, I guess, is just a touch longer. But the difference, I guess the connection and how they measure from the Takuma series to the Signature series makes the Signature a couple centimeters longer, even though they both say that they're 75. And I couldn't believe how sensitive I had gotten to um, the exact mast height. So when I was going to like hit the hit the whitewash or something, I'm always like anticipating when that release point is going to be when the board's going to come out um, or like the breach point in a turn. And you're like thinking about, all right, I'm about to get the slip here or I'm about to like feel a tip come out. And just that two centimeter difference took me I think three sessions to get used to the difference. It was a, it was a big, uh, a big difference in feel for, it's like, it's crazy. Um, something I've been kind of, you know, pondering for the last week here has been like how dialed we get to the parameters that we're working within. Um, that's a complete sidebar, but I just think it's interesting. No, I, I am in complete agreement with you. Um, and you know, I have a kind of a funny story, um, that kind of goes into that. So in, November of 2019, um, I flew down to Bali, uh, for several days to go test the, uh, basically the, the prototypes, uh, the entire family of what is the current 2021 starboard line. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were, uh, just absolutely fantastic wave, just amazing for foiling. Um, that would, uh, it was running kind of alongside a channel and I mean, you could get a, like, easy one and a half minute ride on a double overhead, beautiful wave and everything from just very pockety on the inside to a uh, nice uh, big lump in the deep water there. And anyways, uh, we were testing, gosh, I think the total number of combinations of mass wing fuselage stabilizer that we tested must've been easily 50 or 60. Wow. Um, and it was pretty mentally exhausting because not only mm -hmm. are you towing into these fast, powerful waves where you're, um, I was on a brand new board riding all these, like it was none of my gear. So I'm like trying to figure out the gear and provide good feedback for what I think is working when I think isn't. Um, but anyways, the way this relates to masts is we were testing out tons of different mast heights and, and mast flexes, um, and, uh, like mixing and matching parts and pieces, uh, from different versions. And, it was really interesting that in the maelstrom of, of uh, everything that was going on and all the variables, uh, after a couple waves, you could really start to feel like a bit of a difference when it came to subtle changes. Um, and even though by the end of the week, I had no clue what I liked and what I didn't like because I'd written so many things. Um, I, I know that it, during testing, those subtleties were uh, very apparent. It, oh, when, okay. So something, something I was going to say here, this is what I was thinking about while you were just saying that is, um, when I get gear now for feedback, when, you know, someone's sending me something and they want feedback on it or, or I'm testing something. And as soon as I post, like I posted a, a clip of the, the 1210 Kajira, which I rode the other day for the first time. And today was uh, session three. Um, I won't give an opinion for a few weeks. It takes me that long to get the gear dialed in. And most of the time, when you first test gear, you are used to something else. And so nothing is going to feel, it doesn't feel like home right away. You have to, you have to get your body acclimated, your surfing acclimated, figure out, you know, how to surf it. It's like grabbing a new board. It's in, in all foils. I find it's almost like going from like short board to mid length instead of, you know, um, 
uh, hypto crypto to rocket, which is a pretty similar feel. Like you don't have to adjust too much when you go from a 510 short board to a 510 short board. But going right. from a uh, signature game changer to the Kajira 980, it is a massive shift in body mechanics, style, pumping, everything. And so you have to give yourself time to acclimate to whatever you're riding before you can say if you know if you like it or not or where the strengths or weaknesses are because at the beginning the strengths and weaknesses are going to be in your technique uh, and ability on that new foil indeed um, i'm actually really happy that you brought this up um, because this is something that i've been thinking about for a little while which is how how do you approach testing and i know this applies to kind of everything across the board in life but when I first had the opportunity to start testing foils that were not for my own personal gain, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my own foil that I had bought that I was either like, Hey, I like this or I don't, it's, you know, my fault to have bought it or, you know, pat on the back, I bought the right foil. Uh, and it was, let me objectively look at a foil and try and provide some feedback that doesn't just tell someone, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is how it's made. This is what its cost is. But rather, like, why should you or shouldn't you buy this? Is this the right foil for you? And I've uh, I've been a mountain biker for a long time. And I think that the mountain biking industry has it really dialed as far as how to objectively test bikes and how to provide helpful feedback. And so I uh, I started looking to them and to other industries to see, OK, how can I provide good feedback? Um, and how can the I process test in this? mountain biking? So, I mean, the process in mountain biking is not so terribly different than what we might do, um, you know, in foiling. I think the thing is, is when you start comparing, uh, I think when you're just testing one thing alone uh, and it sort of just exists like a single thing set up only a certain way that can't be changed, riding a single line or riding a single spot. Um, I think that's one form of testing. I think when you start testing something against something else, saying this is better than that, or this change improves it this way or doesn't improve it that way, I think that um, you have to take into consideration that we are inherently doing sports that are not perfect. You know, you're not perfectly repeating each test. The waves right. are changing. Conditions are changing. You're getting tired. Maybe you're riding a different board than you were six months ago when you tested that other foil. Uh, and so on and so forth. And so I think taking all those things into consideration makes a better tester and a better reviewer uh, at yeah. the end of the day. Um, and so I think, you know, when, when we're, when we're testing this stuff, when we're writing reviews, uh, th that's just become a really big focal point for me, aside from just testing it and deciding whether I like it or not. Immediately, as soon as I receive something, I, I have to kind of delete myself, delete my own opinion, delete what I ride, uh, delete what I may, you know, have like preconceived notions on the type of gear, preconceived notions on the brand. Um, and I think that process is super critical. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's something that's taken a long time for me to learn. And what I ask myself now before anything else is not, oh, is this, is this going to be so fun for me to have this like awesome foil for three months that I can, you know, I can ride and how cool is that going to be? my question is, is really like, who's this made for? Yeah. Right. And why they make this. And I, that's why I really love when I have the chance to talk to the designer, uh, to the manufacturer, whatever the team might be smaller, smaller, big, um, and try and get that insight and really try and share whatever message they were trying to share through the product. Um, and then provide my own objective feedback on it. So I think as a tester and a reviewer, it's, it's easy to get caught up in just wanting to ride it. 
just wanting to surf it, just have your own fun. Um, but I think it being a conscious process, uh, is certainly a learning point. Um, I'm not sure that exactly answered the question that you brought up, but that was something that's really important to me. it, It did. And you know, like one of the things that I think about is so in probably all the gear that I have ridden in the last six months, which has probably been four brands and six or seven setups. Um, I don't think there's a bad foil in the bunch. So the question becomes, how do you want to foil and what level are you like, where are you right now in your learning curve and what are your objectives and what's the style that you would like to use the foil in? And that's like, you know, the big difference in riding the two that I'm riding right now, the game changer and the Kajira, you know, the game changer hits the lip a lot harder. Uh, it surfs much more like a shortboard in the pocket and the Kajira is a little bit probably faster and draws like more like mid-length real hard rail turn lines. They're both brilliant foils, but it's, you know, how do you want to surf? Like what, what is your objective in doing this? Um, and that's something that, you know, when I ride new gear, I try to be, you know, like, like you said, very open-minded at the beginning, but then figure out, I used to do this with surfboards too. You figure out how the board wants to be ridden. Back in the day, I used to grab a board and be like, oh, this board's terrible. Well, and it's because the board didn't want to surf the way that I wanted to surf the board. But then, you know, I started realizing that you have to approach these things with kind of like a blank slate mentality and then figure out how the board wants to be surfed. Uh, And then if, I mean, hope, hopefully at that point you can match your style to the board style and then, or the foil style in this case, and then figure out, you know, where the beauty lies within that piece of kit. Right. Um, Right. that was a big change in mindset for me when I, when I realized that. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've just been recently riding this, this MFC. And as I said earlier, this transition from high aspect to a, a more traditional, uh, surf foil, um, like I said, my, my first ride, I was kind of fighting internally of like, all right, you gotta, you gotta remain objective here. You can't, you can't hold this to the same standard or even look at it through the same lens as you'd be looking at, uh, say the, the lift 170. Um, and Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. And as obvious as that sounds, that's a bit tricky at times. Sure. Um, and what I found is just, you know, embrace the kind of surfing that the foil will provide. Uh, and my focus, you know, unashamedly, selfishly, my focus has been in, in, in testing. Wow. Like this foil is telling me, Hey, you got to smooth out your style, like mm-hmm. surf this thing and, and smooth it out. And my style is like, it's evolving. And in a way that's fun. Right. And I'd gotten to a point with my foiling where I was loving riding these foils and I, uh, you know, I appreciated them for what they were, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting creative with how I was riding. And that's because I wasn't switching up necessarily the kind of gear that I was riding. Um, and I don't say that in a negative with a negative, uh, inflection whatsoever. I just say that as that just happened to be what it was and just taking 180 degrees, I'm saying, okay, let's go back to, you know, something completely different than this is so fresh. And I feel that that's so important, especially in quiver building. Uh, I know everybody has their own opinion on, on how to build a quiver, but my mind has, has really come back full circle to saying, I just want a real diversity of foils. I don't want to have a whole bunch of foils that are all super high performance in one category. I want to have a foil that's terrible in one way and amazing in another and you know, so on and so forth for each of the ones that are in my, um, in my quiver. 
so my mindset has definitely evolved that way uh, to be more inclusive and to be more, uh, I think, objective and testing, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I think gear is the teacher. If you're open to learning from it, I think it's the way that you can kind of hack your body into understanding that there's more out there, especially when you get far outside of your conceptual scheme. Uh, like you were just saying, like going radically in a different way. I think that's the most helpful thing um, in the long run. In the short run, you're going to have a bunch of bad days. And that's hard for some folks. Some folks want to go out there and have a great day every day. Um, I would rather be a better foiler in six months than I am today. That probably means I'm going to have a lot of bad days along the way. Right. Um, right. Something you said there, you know, like about feels on foil and testing. One of the things that I say on the show all the time is, I think you should watch how people ride gear. I don't know how many folks, I think that you're probably one of them, given the amount of time that you get to spend testing and thinking about articulating feels. But I don't think many folks are probably very good at articulating what something feels like, but video doesn't lie. That, you know, like if you watch someone surf right. something, you can, especially folks, I think it's great to go watch people who are, you know, have a pretty deep Instagram history and see what they look like on different gear. Um, and you can right. see some folks get deals with people and then their foiling doesn't look quite as good anymore. Um, or, you know, vice versa. All of a sudden they see a, a huge, um, you know, ramp up in, in performance and, you know, you couldn't account for that with just uh, practice over, you know, a, a month span. Um, right. That's pretty cool. Those are the, those are the kind of like the inflection points I look for. Right. And I mean, to be honest, you're, you're not going to take a road bike to go do a mountain bikes job and, and vice versa. Right? right. I mean, you could do it, but, um, yeah. knowing, knowing when and how, and I mean, that's, what's really just awesome about where we're at with foiling right now. I mean, I, I sort of see us in, like broadly speaking of V3 of foils at yep. the moment, we have like the original generation, um, you know, four years ago, three and a half years ago, then the mid gen. And then now we're sort of this, this next generation. And yep. you're starting to see these patterns really define themselves mm -hmm. where no longer it's, uh, you know, there are four foils on the market and each of them does, you know, has 25% or more. Uh, slice of the pie. I think we probably say GoFoil had about 90% of the slice of the pie in, in 2017 and everybody else had like a smaller portion of the pie and then it slowly like evened out. But um, it's just really great to see that there are sort of sub like high quality sub options that are really defined for a certain type of rider and a certain type of riding um, within these sort of larger categories now. And it means that the offerings I think are getting easier and easier to choose from. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's ultimately leading to people of all skill levels uh, having more good days on the water. Uh, and it's really exciting to see that foiling is kind of at that place now. Yep, I, I agree. And I also think that when you look at it from a, we tend to be incredibly lucky because we get to test a variety of gear from different brands. But most folks have to pick a brand because you're not going to buy multiple. It's expensive. You're not going to buy multiple masks, multiple setups. So I'm, I'm excited that brands are starting to cross the spectrum uh, as far as high aspect and good surf wings within the same line so that there are those options. And, and when folks are asking me, I get asked all the time and I've got a bunch of foilers here in Florida that, you know, are always asking about, you know, like what's their next step in gear. And, you know, the big consideration is, you know, what is going to 
give them a bang for the buck as far as picking a line and then having a good surf wing and a good pump wing in the same line. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, I was just recently, um, here at my local spot and, and I have a buddy who I foil with, uh, we've been foiling together for, oh, I don't know, well over a year, I'd say, um, here at this, this one spot in, uh, I live in Santa Barbara, um, which is not exactly <laughs> the place that lends itself the most to foiling on this good earth. <laughs> we no, have basically rocks. We have rocks, kelp, uh, and then some more rocks with some more kelps on top of that. And then there's <laughs> usually like a floating layer of kelp. So <laughs> trying to foil here is usually uh, impossible by about like the third time you look at it, you're like, yeah, there's definitely no way you're ever going to foil in this town. Um, but you have to know the spots. There are a couple spots you can go. Um, and anyways, we kind of have this one spot, which is very close to where I live, uh, on walk. Uh, we, we've got it dialed. Um, anyways, and he, he's gone through a very interesting evolution of gear and I've been, I've been, I've kind of provided my opinion. Uh, I, I don't really like to steer anyone particularly toward one brand or another, um, because it's, uh, things are evolving so fast. Um, anyways, the, the way this relates to our previous point, uh, is that, um, I, I haven't bought a lot of foiling gear myself. Uh, like I, like I told you before we started chatting here, uh, the, the stuff that I've bought and made the most has been boards mm-hmm. when it comes to foils. Um, I, I have, uh, had the opportunity to work with brands in various capacities. And so that's how I've gotten my foils. And of course, through foiling magazine, I'm always on something or something else. So I don't really have like my own daily driver foil, uh, with the exception of this uh, new lift, uh, 170. Um, and so I understand I really do understand when I'm doing a review of a piece of gear that someone's not going to have a quiver. You know, not everyone's going to have a quiver of 10 foils or five foils. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important to remember. I think in the age of social media where you're constantly assaulted with 500 different types of things to buy, things to change and things to upgrade, that sometimes it is okay to have a piece of gear for a while and then slowly make your way through the upgrade process. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. And, um, that's just something that's important to me. Um, because I, I, I feel like I understand that. Um, and so again, when reviewing and when, when, uh, promoting foils, that's something that's important to keep in mind is, is that we're not all looking to build a monster quiver. We just want the right piece of gear for us at that time. Yeah. Um, I think ideally so, we'd all like one foil that did it all. Um, and yeah, we keep getting closer. Like getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the last stuff that I've been testing is so much closer than we were a year ago, um, which totally. is super fun. You know, you're not like, you don't feel like you're sacrificing in the same way. Like, uh, the right. first high aspect stuff was, was a pretty big, um, sacrifice when it came to surfing in the pocket, you know, rolling the right. wing over. Um, so exciting times for sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk boards for a little bit. I know that you design boards and, uh, you've gotten your hands on a whole bunch of them. What are the key elements that makes a good board for you? Prone. Yeah. Um, so with regard to prone boards, uh, I think I've gone through the trip that most of us have, which is start with a big board because you don't know what you're doing. Gradually go to a second, smaller board, get really infatuated with a super, super tiny board. <laughs> I've, I've gone down to two, six and three Oh, 18 liters and under, uh, 
prone and then realize, paddling? yeah, prone, yeah, wow. prone paddling, prone surfing. Um, and then kind of go, yeah, okay, this is, this is fun for super small waves, but on a daily driver basis where, you know, waves may be head high, uh, you want some a little bigger. Um, so I've kind of come back to, I love having a low volume board. I'm not very heavy. I'm about 155 pounds, uh, with my wetsuit on. Um, so I can run a 20 liter board very comfortably. Um, and, uh, around four Oh, generally 18 inches, 17 and a half inches wide is about as wide as I'm going at the moment for just sort of my daily prone board. That's, uh, for waves that vary from the small and mushy here to tropical reef waves, basically, uh, up to head high and a little over. What about bottom contour? Yeah. So bottom contour. Um, so I initially began, I initially began paying attention to boards right around the time that I got to know Chris at freedom foil boards. Um, and, uh, did a, a bunch of photo work, um, with him, uh, right when the, the brand was starting to kind of, uh, do more, more in the way of marketing and in the way of visual content. Um, and at the time, um, so I, I think the standard for per, per, for performance was uh, basically a you know double concave um, situation with you know large chine rails and kind of that little ducktail um, and a uh, little bit of uh, scoop to the deck. Um, basically, all the things that we've I think that are now the basic DNA for most foil boards. Um, real pulled in tail uh, to an extent, although I know that that does, isn't necessarily, uh, all the way across the, the board for, for foil boards, uh, anymore. Um, but what I'm writing now, uh, is essentially an evolution of that. So I, I have, uh, my own boards, which I do, uh, here, uh, design in, in shape 3d. Um, I've had them built, uh, for the last two years or so by Ryan Harris at earth technologies here in Los Angeles. Um, and the reason I've been working with him was because I wanted to work with somebody local who, um, who had uh, sustainability at the forefront of his construction process. Sustainability is, uh, is across the board at the forefront of all the work that I do. What's um, your, uh, so, what's your brand? Give a little shout out. So, so I, I technically have a name for my brand. I call it Toroa, uh, T-O-R-O-A, but, uh, it's, it's not currently up uh, live anywhere yet. I, I have like a, I have a ghost Instagram handle for it. Um, I've gotten caught up with other things and my, uh, my board brand has, uh, kind of fallen behind. It's just me writing it with just my logos for my boards. Uh, but I do plan at some point to, um, make it more of a thing. I have, uh, several buddies who've, uh, displayed interest in having me make some boards for them. So, um, that's kind of where it's at right now. Uh, but the, the other stuff that I've been doing, uh, the, the most, uh, I guess major stuff that I did was with Sonova. Um, so I have a, I have a friend who now I know you're from the stand up paddling world as, as I am from back in, in the day. Uh, Short so you'd be familiar with Sean. Yep. You'd be familiar with Sean Pointer, um, who actually initially introduced me to Steve, uh, oh, Sugarud. Cool. Um, so, uh, there's the, there's the friend pattern. Um, and, uh, Sean left starboard uh, who, like I said earlier, I was working with, um, as well. He left starboard, I think two or three years ago. Um, he had been with them for a long time and he started a, a separate brand called generation. Uh, and generation was making, 
uh, boards with Sonova. So Sonova was building them. Generation was the sort of the sub label, if you will. So it'd be a generation X, Y, and Z by Sonova. Uh, and, um, anyways, the generation edition boards, uh, grew eventually, uh, where they're interested in doing foil boards. And so, uh, that topic came up, uh, where I wasn't very into subfoiling. I've never really been a big subfoiler, uh, even though I used to stand up paddle surf and race a lot. Um, I've been mostly on the prone trip. So I ended up designing uh, a line of um, prone boards for them, which have not yet been released. Uh, we are on uh, like, like V2 production uh, in the earlier part of this year when things kind of got all uh, clogged up because of COVID. Um, and those boards are essentially an evolution uh, with quite a few changes of uh, the basic DNA that we see in other foil boards. So those boards have a more mellow um double concave. There's kind of a bulbous bow sort of situation. I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, it's kind of easier to see in a picture, but if you imagine at the very front of the board, um, on the bottom, as you enter the nose, uh, you know, the, the central portion of, of the board up towards the nose kind of becomes, it holds a lot more volume. It's literally, it looks like a bulb. Um, and the idea with that had initially come from, uh, looking at, um, monohull, uh, America's cup, uh, style, foil racing boats, uh, and the way that they dealt with, uh, speed and, and, you know, existing where you're constantly touching the water and then coming back off again. So I found a lot of inspiration from, uh, sailing, uh, as you run to the rear of the board, it has, uh, fairly sizable cutouts in the latest version. I think they're about three or four inches, um, that run from the tail, uh, in towards where the, um, where the boxes are, mm-hmm. um, essentially in the same style as what you'd see on a KT board, like on Kai Lenny's boards where you see that cutout on the bottom. Um, and then the next feature on the board is, uh, in the same area in the rear, rear quarter of the board where those cutouts come, the tail actually, uh, like on the rails actually cuts in as well. And sort of, a, it's almost like a wing tail style, like what you would have seen on boards back in like the the seventies and the eighties. It's like a stepped rail, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, that steps in about an inch. Um, the idea there is I had the, the smallest 4020 liter. I had it measured to my foot. Um, so the idea would be with that, um, concave in the deck, uh, my toes and my heel and my back foot would be basically right at the edge of the board. So I'd have like the most locked in feel possible. Now that of course requires getting up and stepping really precisely in that area. So you don't step off the side of the board. Um, but for surfing, I've really liked it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the deck has just basically got kind of a, a progressive uh, concave that um, kind of deepens at its most uh, where your front foot is. And that kind of rises up and holds a little more volume on the deck uh, mm-hmm. towards the nose. So that's about the best picture I can paint of that board without actually showing you a picture. Um, when you do the deck concave, how are you matching rocker on the bottom to concave on the deck? Are you looking at those? Um. So you're asking about rocker, rocker on the bottom, concave on the deck. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I just do them separately. I don't know if there's like a better way to do it. Um, I, uh, I mean, there's not a ton of rocker in these boards. Well, essentially honest, that's like a tail shim, right? Like if you drop right. in the front foot, it's essentially like you're adding, um, a rear tail shim, um, in the way that your weighting would be on the board. If oh, you're, the, if oh, you've got flat, of, yeah. It, it, yeah, as far as how it feels when you fly, that's what I'm always thinking right. about. Right. Are yeah. you thinking so you about are, that? You are leaning forward a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, so I, I just took inspiration from what, uh, Keith was doing on, on Kailani's boards with regard to, uh, 
on, on the deck, uh, the front, as you just mentioned, the front foot is sort of the deepest part of the board. That's like mm-hmm. the hole in the board. And then, uh, there's also deck kick that rises up into the kick pad. Uh, so your back foot will be positioned, um, it will be able to roll forward a little bit better. So you're really like pointed downhill. You're kind of like downhill skiing when you're on the board, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. And for me, that was something that I really wanted uh, for pumping. Um, and I guess it's just for me, it has always felt super balanced. And to those who have ridden it, it feels balanced uh, with uh, the way I have my stabilizers configured, which is nothing particularly fancy. Um, but it's worked for me. It makes me feel like I'm really inside the board. And when mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if I'm carving a hard turn like rail grab, big top turn all the way down to the bottom. I can really lean into my front foot onto my outside rail, um, and feel like I'm fully in the board and I don't feel like I'm ever going to, you know, shoot out over the side of the board. Um, so, I mean, it's not super scientific, but that's what's worked for me. No, I mean, that's the best design innovation, right? Is being able to feel it and go iterate. Um, I think right. the best gear comes from people that can feel it for the most part. Right. Um, yeah. And what do you- my, uh, sorry, I just want to bring in one more little point about what I was doing with my other boards, uh, aside from Sonova, I was, I was actually going very basic for a while. Uh, this Sonova Talon uh, prone board is the most complex shape that I've, uh, made so far. Um, and, uh, it's it sort of, it's sort of in the sh- general, like very, very broad style of what the freedom foil boards Rubik's is. And I don't, compare it to the Rubik's because I think the Rubik's is a far prettier looking board. Um, but it's, uh, sort of broadly that style. Whereas what I was doing for my own personal boards was, okay, let's keep it super simple and go step, step by step. Um, don't worry about the tail. I'm going to be running a short board anyways. All the Taroa boards that I was building were under four feet. Um, take the tail, chop the tail, like with a butter knife, just straight down, totally flat tail, nothing fancy going on. Uh, it's a wide tail. Um, and just focus on bottom contours, rocker and deck contours. Uh, and, uh, and, and then of course rails as they transition up into, into the deck for duck diving and sort of what feel was right. So that's where I had focused on, on that. So each version of those boards was tackling one issue, um, at a time along with evolving, uh, the quality of the construction. So that's kind of where I was at before going to the Sonova board, but I knew yeah. that this thing, since it was a production board, I was hoping to make a couple steps, a couple jumps, you know, um, with it that I had not made uh, with my own boards. That's awesome. I, I like chop tail boards. I mean, it allows you to put the boxes farther back because you have the volume there. And True. Um, I have a couple models that I did and um, I like them. I like them. The only drawback is that I, I like a little bit more surface area and bigger waves. So I like my, the two models that I surf the most are, it's the same design. One of them, I just chop five inches off the tail for smaller days. Then on bigger days, I rock the, uh, the full four, six. Nice. What are you riding actually board wise? Um, I ride, I, so if it's not my boards, I ride Flyline productions. My buddy, Mike Pedigo shapes brilliant boards. Um, he's a master at, he's, he's a really good shaper, but his construction's insane. Like he's back bagging and his layups are, are really good. They're bulletproof boards. Um, totally. and so I, I really like his stuff. Um, and then I, I love design, I've designed boards for a while now and I, I just love doing it. It's really fun. Um, I haven't done any of that like client phase. I'm getting a lot of requests to do it, but I don't know. I'd have to be drugged back into it, I think. But um, the, uh, the the model I'm riding right now is a 4.6, 27 liters. I'm about 190 pounds. 
Um, and then that chop to a 4.1 is about 23 liters. Uh, and those are the two boards that you probably see. I mean, if you looked at those are the only things I've been riding for the last few months, pretty right. much. That's a pretty small board for you being 190 pounds. Um, you know, I find that, uh, I don't need much more. I thought I was going to need a bigger board, um, on bigger days. And we had a run of well overhead surf and the four, six was just fine. As long as I'm taking off in the face, what I've given up with the lower volume is I can't really foam take off. There's just not yeah. enough volume to keep me up. And the way that I do my nose too is, is a really thin nose because I like it when it pierces. I don't, um, you and I might disagree a little bit on, on what you were saying there about the bulbous nose. I like a really, a really thin mm -hmm. nose. So if I pierce, I bounce right back up. It goes through, it doesn't slow me down in speed. I found that on some of my wider nosed boards, my, one of my first models had a, had a thicker nose on it. And when I would mm -hmm. hit, it would, it would bounce back up, but it would tend to, uh, like slow me down to the point where I'd get really heavy over my front foot and it was hard. Right. So then I went to almost like a short board thickness nose with very little rocker on the top, but, a, but enough on the bottom to where it'll pierce and then bounce me right back up. Actually, if anyone out there is like interested in that design point, the last clip I just posted on the 1210, that first little foam hit I do, um, the board goes in and you can see it just pop right back up right away. Um, it's kind of a cool, when I was breaking down the clips the other day, I was like, ah, oh, that's what I designed that for. Pretty cool. Nice. That's, um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm being naughty and I'm going on my Instagram to look at this video that you're talking about right now. Do it right now. Yeah. Check <laughs> it out. Is this your, yeah, two days ago on the signature on the, no, this is on the signature. Which one did you say it was? It's the on, last uh, is your one. very last post. Very last post from yesterday. I think the first hit right there, you can see the nose hit, go under and pop right back up. Doesn't slow me down. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I see that. So that's really interesting. I, I would love to ride one of your boards at some point. Maybe when I come down and visit Steve, we can have a, a note comparison. Um, yeah, that'd be but, fun. Uh, for me, I had originally shaped my boards with a little bit less rocker um, on, on the bottom there. Uh, it was almost flat, almost no rocker on the front initially uh, with just rocker on the bottom. Um, and I had found that the board just was pushing water uh, because I was still trying to hold volume on these small boards. I couldn't have like a really progressive rocker line. I had to sort of, you know, make it ha make all the rocker happen within like a, like an eight or a 10 inch, you know, bit uh, of board lengthwise. Um, and so it was just pushing water like a truck. Um, now, the noses were thin at the front, but that wasn't working for me. I see your board is a lot more like tapered, much more thinned out uh, over a period of distance there on the bottom. But the bulbous yeah. bow for me did work because it's super round. Um, yeah. There's not a hard edge on the board. It's super round. Um, I haven't tried that it, yet. It really it works nicely when you're kind of flying down low. Maybe you've lost mm -hmm. a little bit of speed. You're trying to pump and you kind of get um, almost flat, like almost the entire board hits the surface of the water, you know, just by the nose. And I, I found that it worked. And I objectively noticed a substantial difference from V1 to V2 when we uh, increased it by about two centimeters uh, oh, in cool. size, uh, which is quite a lot uh, in terms of increasing the size of the bulb. Um, and, uh, yeah, V1 was more of like a traditional shape, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. not really any bulb to the nose. And then I was like, you know, I'm kind of feeling something here cause it was sort of rounded off and we just blew it up and, uh, made it a little bit more, uh, a little bit of a tumor grow there. And then, it, <laughs> uh, it ended up really working. So, I mean, I'm stoked on that, but that's I cool. am super keen to ride a bunch of other stuff. I mean, honestly, if there's less board there, then that's probably a win as well. Um, you know, Plus the beautiful bomb. thing about so. any of this is there's no right way, you know? Right. And, um, 
I can take out like, you know, big high aspect wing. And I have this just, I mean, it looks like, I call it the guitar pick. It looks like a guitar pick board. It's like the first thing I ever shaped before I even knew what a foil board was, right? Like I had no idea. I just had a longboard sup blink that broke and I took the nose of it and I just shaped it into like this Mm -hmm. three foot, five inch guitar pick looking thing. It's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. It is so fun on a high aspect foil. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, all the other stuff. I just, I just love it all. Sick. That's awesome. Now, my question inside of all this relating to the point we brought up earlier, which, uh, is, um, so how do we take this, uh, you know, these subtle little design, um, uh, little parts of design of the board and how do we apply that to, let's say someone like Steve, right. Who's, right. um, gosh, six, Steve's like six four or, or more in like 250 and he needs to ride basically like small SUP boards for prone uh, most of the time. Um, and a lot of those boards are a big, like it's a big door, right? It's a big yep. squared off nose. Um, how do we take something like that and blow it up to something that he would actually have fun riding and that he would, you know, benefit from those little performance changes. Cause all is, uh, you know, fun and well when, uh, you're able to ride a 20 or a 25 or a 30 liter board. Um, but what happens when you need to ride like a 40, you know, liter board or 50 liter board. So um, the person, um, solving for that right now is Kalama. Um, mm-hmm. I've been talking to Kalama a bunch recently and he has been trying to solve for prone downwinding. Um, and he is doing prone boards that are, I don't remember the exact size, like five, five, six, oh, at about 70 liters and he's ripping on them. Um, and actually I have a buddy here in Jacksonville, not Steve, someone else who's looking for a similar type of type of board, you know, like wants to get in really early, um, has moved from sup into, into proning, doing really good on the prone. And he's thinking about, you know, he wants another high liter prone board. And I was like, you need to hit up Kalama cause that's what he's doing right now. I, that would be a fun thing for you to review mm. for the magazine. I think I can put you in touch that if would you be want. Fun. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I've seen a couple photos of those and they, uh, to be honest, they kind of look like those, uh, bark, uh, competitor prone paddle boards with a foil tuddle stuck on it. I haven't <laughs> you know, seen that's those. What it, that's boards. what it looks like to me. Um, it's just those, uh, uh, not, not SUP, but actually like prone paddle boards, uh, uh-huh. almost similar to what you'd ride for, uh, like surf lifesaving in Australia. The, okay. the Australian guys are running around a 10 foot board, I believe. Um, right. and then, uh, it's like what you'd use to do like Molokai to Oahu. Uh, just the, the shortest version of that is, uh, somewhere around you, 10 and a half to 12 feet. You just mean like the, 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 the knee paddlers or the prone paddlers yeah, like Jamie Mitchell used to do. Okay. Exactly. Like what Jamie Mitchell used to ride, but like the shorter versions of those. And those are super popular around here in like the Santa Barbara channel and Catalina and all that sort of stuff. Um, anyways, that's what those boards remind me of that you're talking about from, from, uh, Dave Kalama. Uh, unless I'm thinking of his stand up downwind one. Um, you but might I saw be. a photo recently and it looks a lot like that. Oh, that's killer. Well, this it's working for him. I, I like the way that he is there big and wide, but then the way that he's, um, manipulating foam underneath means that your touch points aren't nearly as big as your board. So it's letting him do those just insane. He's so good at carving, man. That guy can lay it on rail as good as anybody. Totally. I, um, I just, um, I just researched, uh, this to make sure I was talking about the right thing. So it is a six, six SUP, um, that I'm thinking of from this photo. 
Okay. But I'm sure it shares a similar uh, DNA, similar philosophy to the board that you're talking about. Yeah, I think they're just a lot narrower. Yeah. I think he made them a lot narrower. Um, but yeah, he's been trying to solve for, doesn't want to bring the paddle, but doesn't want to get stuck out in the middle of the channel. Right. Um, and he seems to have have figured that out now. Have you seen um, James Casey's uh, kind of, I don't know what you would call it, sort of like, it's like a step up or maybe like a gun uh, foil board. It's like a six something, six and a half feet. Yep. Um, Sonova. Yeah, that he was talked about it on the show. Day. On his last show, we talk about it for a little while. Okay. Um, yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I'm just, I'm saying that for anyone out there who's interested, uh, that conversation, James goes through some of his ideas on that design, I believe on that, on that last show, but, but keep going with your point. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, what, what are the thoughts there? Uh, that's, that's very interesting. Cause I, I, I obviously I see two things that are, are conflicting there. One, which is of course, uh, when you foil, you want to ride a shorter board hypothetically. Um, but that's in the mind of somebody who wants to pump. Uh, but if you're riding a bigger wave, you're not worried about pumping. Um, so I'm very curious to hear, uh, uh, you kind of share what his thoughts were on that. So that was exactly what I said to him. And his response was, it doesn't really hurt his pumping at all. Once he figured out the rhythm, he actually thinks that a little extra weight, if the foil is in the right spot kind of helps you. And that's a feeling that I've had in, cause I started foiling on sup and I feel like I can pump say the Albatross 250, the biggest signature high aspect wing, I can pump that foil better on sup than I can prone. I think the weight helps me drive the foil. Um, yeah. So there's something to be said for it. And he was saying it doesn't hinder him very much in turning, which I have a hard time believing because I know that when I'm pushing this to, but you know, he's as good as anyone is on foil. So he'll know right. better than I will. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting what, what what you're bringing up because I, I have two thoughts there. Um, one, uh, being as it's winter, uh, tow boards have been in the sphere and weighted tow boards have been at the forefront of the conversation yep. for just tow, tow surfing in general. Um, and I've been kind of taking a dive into what uh, KT has been doing for um, Kailani's boards uh, this season with with weighted boards. It kind of caught my eye, and I was like how could that potentially apply to foil boards? Cause I know we're always trying to make something lighter and stiffer. And I mean, I've built my, my, uh, my three O was like just under four pounds. I mean, it's ridiculously light board, but mm -hmm. at the same time, do you want that degree of lightness when you're towing and, um, the conversation of building a, a, a kind of new or an improved, um, tow foil board is, is happening right now between myself and, and my, my tow partner. And, um, uh, a handful of shapers. Uh, and I've kind of been thinking, what's the deal with potentially making a weighted toe foil board? Is I that have heard thing? rumor that Kai's boards are now weighted and the mast is weighted as well. I think I heard or something mm -hmm. about 10, 20 pound mass, something like that for the really big days. Um, right. to take out the chatter to, to, you know, smooth out the whole thing. I mean, that's the big difference in going from like sup to prone is that there's so much more nuance. Once you get down to the smaller board, you're solving for a lot more, um, all the time in balance, the sup board kind of just like evens everything out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a rumor that I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, I can definitely imagine that because, uh, and again, I'm no, I'm no big toe foiling expert or, um, you know, I haven't, had my, my hands and my eyes, uh, on 
these particular ones, but if you look at the old air chair, you know, the original foils for towing there, um, I mean, obviously those were not light, neither mm-hmm. were the boards or the, so, I mean, those were obviously probably the heaviest foil boards like ever. Um, and even though it's not apples to apples whatsoever, uh, it's very interesting when you watch those guys ride those and I've ridden one kiting before. Um, and you watch that versus a modern, essentially kite foil. I mean, you're basically taking a Mike's lab, you know, a uh, kite racing foil, uh, and you're adapting it to ride Nazare, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the weight, aside from a complete, you know, design change um, and a complete materials change, uh, is there some benefit of looking backwards 20 years to that weight? I'm sure that's probably the conclusion that they've either, you know, arrived at saying, you know, yay or nay for Kai's board since he's the guy kind of leading that. Um, but I look very forward to hopefully potentially uh, interview material there. Uh, for the foiling magazine at some point, because that's something I really want to know. Yeah. I mean, talk to Dave and Laird. That, that, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I'd probably start. That'd be a, that would be a great conversation that I'd love to hear. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the air chair uh, later tonight. So it'll be out a few days after this show is released, but I'm recording with, um, Ben Fernie, who is, uh, he holds one of the current records for air chair. And okay. now he's transitioned into prone foiling. So I think it's going to be a great, I'm actually really excited to talk to him later. Um, just because he's coming at foiling from such a different place than anyone I've spoken to yet. Um, right. That's fantastic. What a, what a great opportunity. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. Ben Fernie is his name. Look him up on Instagram. Get excited for his show coming up. I, I think it's going to be a good one. He had a bunch of cool ideas. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Let me think here. What would be, what would be fun? We're hitting the hour mark right now. So do a, do a little bit longer. Um, are you still good on time for a little bit? I am. I'm all good. I'm all yours. All right. Killer. Let's talk about if you had to pick one foil, let's not talk brands or anything that's out there right now. But if you had to pick one foil, and you can't just um, God mode it, right? You can't just pick all the attributes of anything. But what would you put together for, if you had to ride one foil for a year, what would the characteristics of that foil be? Mm. Um, I'd probably start, let's start with, uh, fast wing now i'm just i'm just naming its characteristics not technically yep. how it's getting there so i'm not going to sure. say high aspect low aspect x y or z but fast wing definitely um i'd probably be running a mast of know, maybe 75 or so okay. centimeters um now I'm, I'm assuming I'm kind of having to tackle a bunch of different conditions with this. It's yep, you got it. I'm on, a desert, I'm on a, foil. a desert island, and this is what fell out of the airplane when yep. Tom. When, yep. When, uh, you can't pump for four minutes and, and surf a double overhead wave. You can't just say. <laughs> yeah. Right. But what if I want to? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we you all want. You didn't say dude. that wasn't an option. You know what I mean? Um, I said no God mode. No, but there, you could totally do that though. I mean, I've, I've ridden a foil. I, I rode a foil last week in double overhead surf, getting towed in by a ski and pumped and connected for those waves. So you can't tell me it can't be done. 
And what I did form? that on an 85 mass. It was on an Armstrong 1050 with an 85 mass. Yep. That's um, a good foil. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very stoked on that thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would probably have something around 75 centimeters, um, fast wing, uh, you know, pumps as well as it turns. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably about where I would go. I think that's about the extent of what I would, uh, what I would ask for. I'd probably be more interested in having a good board to go with that as well than having a super, super specific foil. I think if the foil were, were good, but the foil, uh, the, the board were even better, that would mm-hmm. probably be nice. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want my three Oh all year cause I couldn't paddle with anything that's more than head high. Yeah. So, I found um, that I can ride probably almost any day I foil on this four, six and it kind of been a quiver killer almost for me now. It's kind of a sweet I, spot, isn't it? Four, six, you know, like when I think it's a little too long every once in a while, I'm like, ah, oh, I just wish there was a little bit less nose. It makes up for it when I get in whitewash and I'm really happy that there's the surface area there to let me get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem to be like a, a good sweet spot for me on my four one every once in a while. I wish it was just a little bit longer in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a five Oh is way too long. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about your question again earlier of what, what could I build, uh, as a foil? Um, and I'm, I think my, probably my honest response is, uh, whatever foil you have with you is the best foil you can have. Cause I, um, I found myself down in Mauritius, uh, where, where my, my mom's side of the family's from. I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time there growing up. Um, we have some actually total ripper, uh, foilers coming out of Mauritius these days. Uh, Willow River Tonkin, um, mm-hmm. who rides with Unifoil now. Um, killing it. My, my good friend, good childhood friend, Luca Pito, who rides for Nash as a pro kiter. Um, he foils a lot, uh, and a whole smattering of other really killer foilers down there. Um, anyways, I was there two, two Christmases ago. Um, didn't have the best gear in the world at the time in terms of my, 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 uh, my board was, I think I, I can look at it, you know, hindsight 2020, right? Like I would, I'd love to be riding what I was riding now then, yep. but, um, anyways, I was still learning, had a lot to learn. Um, but it was just so killer, you know, to be able to go out and have a foil board to ride all these new spots. I could barely freaking foil <laughs> and fall down on every single wave didn't want to tackle anything bigger than like a one foot wave, but it was so good. And that foil was the best foil in the world in my mind at the time. Um, and I still remember it that way. Uh, so although I would love to build a God mode foil, um, I think just being able to go to a place for a year with a foil, that's probably the better answer. Yeah. I like that answer in thinking it through right now. The one thing that I'm going to add is, I want the ability to be able to tune the foil. Um, I like being able to adjust. I I love lift foils. I think the 170 is one of the most brilliant foils. And when I talked to Nick, I said, can you build us a a tail adapter that lets us bolt on tails and change angle of attack? You know, like you get the 170 out when it's a little bit bigger and all of a sudden it's all back footed and I'm just burning out so quick when I'm in turns. Mm -hmm. Um, and the ability, cause you know, if you could just shim that up a degree and a half, the feel would be, you know, you, you, 
you'd be able to tune that out, that feel out, and it would handle bigger surf a lot better. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that is really important. Anyone out there who designs foils listening, please let us tune because it's so important. Yeah. What, uh, I know that, that, uh, you were saying you just had a conversation with Nick. Did you, did, did he give you an answer on their philosophy with not having shimming being an option for the state? Yeah, he did. His podcast was the most listened to podcast of 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, I walk out of talking to designers and I don't know if I've said this on the show before with uh, it's always, it, it's always kind of changed how I think about their gear when, and when I, mm. you know, talk to Cliff here, when I talk to Nick, I'll be on all of their gear forever because I'm just so geeked out on, on how attuned they are to it, how much time and how much, how deep their understanding is. And his answer was actually quite good. And that is that the advantage of their connection um, and the way that they design their tails gives you a market improvement in performance. And you can't argue that when you pump the 170, right? Like right. that foil pumps just, I mean, it's, right. it's so good. Um, so that makes a lot of sense, but I, I don't want to lose that, but I'd like the option. I still want them to make mm -hmm. their tails and I'll probably ride them 80% of the time, but then I'd like to be able to tune it every once in a while for, for a different condition or to test something. Right. Right. I, I, I agree with that. Um, and I also agree with the, uh, with the opposite thought that, um, a, it's one less thing to think about when I go out on a, on a lift, I'm not thinking about shimming. Right. Um, and it's also tremendously impressive to me that I can stick this foil on a board and immediately feel like a pumping Lord. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that was very impressive. It's like, wow, you don't need to tune this. I mean, it's balanced. It's designed, it's designed right the first time. Yep. Right. It's designed the way it is and it works. And you can go from, I put it on a whole host of different boards, I put it on a sup, put it on, um, on a wing board and all of them worked. Yep. And that was really impressive. Yep. Well, I think Nick's, um, are you, and we didn't say that he didn't say this on the show, but my guess would be is that they didn't design it for the way that I want to use the foil, right? They designed mm -hmm. it for, for downwinding and being the most efficient foil that there is. And I want to do I want the pumping, but I still want to be able to do like the really tight little pocket turns and stuff. Now that foil does do an amazing job of, of smashing white water for how wide it is. I'm, I'm always blown away by that when I ride it, um, it slips through the white water so easy, but, yeah. um, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, give us an, an add on I'll pay for it so that I can mess with tails. Yeah. I also, um, on, on the I'm, subject I'm trying of to put tails, pressure so he'll do this. He'll sell a lot of them. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, um, I'm honored to be here at this uh, pivotal moment. Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be like, I was there on the podcast when Eric got, uh, Nick to introduce <laughs> shims in his tail. I was there. Um, so I asked him on the show and he didn't seem that excited about it. But. Well, I, I, I really, uh, love the design, um, on, uh, on his tail. I really, I just, I love how thin it, it is. I mean, it's a, it's everything a they do tail. is good. Um, it's yeah. beautiful. Uh, there's no way it can't be incredibly efficient. Uh, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, there's this total absence of parasitic drag back there and, and yep. that's really beautiful. Um, how good uh, are their mid aspect foils going to be? I, I, we were texting yeah. the other day and he said the container, I think is coming. They should be a month, month and a half right now before they're out. I think those things are going to be so good. I can't wait. So are those going to replace the current surf line? 
I don't know if they're going, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to, I would be okay. just guessing if I knew, but I do know that that's the new surf line and it's, it's going to be more mid aspect. And I mean, if it, if it surfs like their surf foils and pumps, like the 170. <laughs> there you go. Right there. Right. It'd be insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, on the note of, of surfing and pumping, uh, equally well, uh, I have, uh, very limited time on Armstrong foils, but I mm -hmm. have been very impressed by the time I have had, uh, on them. Um, I'm uh, hoping I might be able to get, uh, an HS of, of some, uh, size, uh, for a test, uh, sometime soon. Um, hook it up army. I was just blown. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just emailed army like a couple days ago. Um, and I was just so impressed that I was on a like a tow, a bigger tow board, much bigger than what I'm used to riding on an 85 mast on this 1050 wing. And I was like pumping the thing for a ways between these large set waves the other day. I'm like, this is a full blown tow setup, and I'm, it's not, you know, it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world, but I'm like fully pumping this. Um, that was really impressive. And I thought, wow, if I could get this on, uh, whatever the, the smaller one, I think it's a 72 mass, um, mm -hmm. on my usual surf setup that would be pretty killer because the thing just turns like a teeny tiny little wing, um, uh, and still pumps. So yep. uh, again, I haven't ridden that Kajira 980 that everybody's raving around uh, about. Good. So, um, maybe that's doing the same thing then. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's a really good foil. My son has been riding the HS 850 and it's the first foil that he can surf and pump. He's only like 80 pounds. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, no one's really making gear tuned for him, but that mm -hmm. seems to be, it's really good. He, he loves the lift 100 too, but the lift 100 is harder for him to pump. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah. Shocks. Uh, when you, when you said your son, I, I, I had this vision of, of someone closer to my size and I thought, yes, I saw the HS 850 come out and I thought, yes, now I'm going to have this crazy high performance wing. I can attempt to pump in regular prone surfing. <laughs> <laughs> I had to quickly quash that, that well, dream. I'm, uh, I've got a buddy who's, uh, who's towing on it in Costa Rica. Uh, he loves it. And he's saying that if he's going fast enough, he can pump it. Um, I saw clips right. of them today on it and it surfs really good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. I think we're going to have our hands on one here very soon. Uh, my, my tow partner's getting one. So Killer. we'll report back. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, right on. Let's um let's wrap this up here in a couple minutes because I gotta eat some dinner and then I'm recording with uh cool. with Ben in about an hour. It's a great cool. foil talk day. Um yeah. what do you wanna what what didn't we touch on? What do you wanna leave folks with? Uh, um I mean it's probably a whole uh conversation between how I've recovered from my injury, um, my my sort of change outlook on foiling uh and let's sports health. Um let's, let's do and that then, before we, we uh, I have we a jump. pretty fun story on e-foiling. Um, okay. that, uh, will be coming out here in the next uh, issue of the magazine, but, uh, either one of those is, um, good. One is happier than the other, <laughs> the back, the back injury story. People are not going to necessarily hear that and go, Oh my God, so fun. Let's um, do that one. But, I think that's a better story. Cool. So I, uh, so I have a background in, in, in a lot of different water sports, um, from, kiting, wakeboarding, um, surfing, SUP, uh, and, uh, also, uh, outdoor sports, um, mountain biking, so on and so forth. Uh, anyways, fair to say I've taken a fair share of, uh, 
crashes, <laughs> fair share of crashes, and um, not everybody's born with perfect posture uh, either. Um, and so the combination of those two things finally caught up to me after uh, two years of being a little pump monkey on foils. And um, right after Christmas uh, last year, so 2019, I guess that's the last last year now, isn't it? Um, I basically woke up and was totally physically dysfunctional. Um, wow. couldn't get up super severe pain in my lower back. Um, never experienced that before. Uh, I was totally dysfunctional and this was just waking up after the day before I'd gone foiling and it was fine. Um, anyways, long story short, after about a month of trying to figure out what on earth was going on, I ended up connecting with a wonderful chiropractor here in Santa Barbara and uh, the Santa Barbara family chiropractic that, um, essentially through many x-rays, many x-rays and many, uh, appointments said, dude, you've got like five herniations across your back. Um, you are pretty messed up. Uh, this is going to take a while. You're gonna have to basically quit sports for a while and go for like a full postural reconfiguration, um, slash healing process. Uh, and my lumbar was all messed up and, and my, my thoracic there in the, the middle of my back, um, as well as in my neck were kind of all wonky. Um, and it just kind of given out at a certain point. Um, anyways, so after many months of full physical rehab, like five to seven days a week there. Um, and after about three months starting to get physically, uh, prepped again for an active life, um, I, uh, ended up, um, kind of realizing, <clears throat> excuse me, not only that, I guess health, uh, in sports is, is not something you take for granted, which I know a lot of people know, but you know, I'm 24 years old and I was 23 at the time. Uh, and like, oh my gosh, is, is, is my career like as an athlete over, um, you know, career or, or even just for fun, uh, totally over. Um, and through a very slow process, uh, I got back to the point where I was able to go in the water again. Um, and it's now been two months of me foiling, uh, at a fairly reasonable level. And I would say for the last uh, three or four weeks or so, I'm foiling at as well as I was, if not better than I was, um, before, epic, man. um, yeah, it's, it was a very interesting, uh, road, but the long story short is that I would really like in the future, um, when I, when I can throw the time and the energy that I want at it, I want to team up with, uh, various health professionals and kind of develop some sort of program that those of us who are either foiling or surfing or frankly, what what, you know, whatever sport you may do, but I just, you know, come from the water sports community. So that's who I'd like to speak to, um, to help people understand the, how to preserve your body and how to strengthen your body for foiling. Um, really, because, uh, I'm, as I'm sure a lot of us know, uh, pumping, uh, will really work your lower back. It'll work your whole body. Um, and so how can you be stronger? How can you be safer? How can you be healthier? And how can you do it for longer? Uh, that's really, those are the questions that I seek to answer every day right now, aside from the rest of the work that I do with foiling is how can you, uh, be a better athlete all the way around, uh, regardless of what your age is. Um, and so that was something that was a really fundamental change for me in my, uh, my approach to sports, my approach to life in general. And, um, going forward, I really, uh, hope that I have the opportunity to share that with people. Um, and I certainly hope that within the next year, uh, I'm able to put something like that together. Um, yeah, I think that's beautiful, man. I, uh, I also have 
pretty serious back condition and tried a bunch of different things. Um, foundation training, Eric Goodman, someone I'll put you in touch with. Um, he works with lots of surf pros. I've spent a lot of time with him over the years. We hosted a retreat together a long time. He's a good friend, but, um, I think his work would be very relevant to what you're talking about. He was on the podcast. I think you'd like that. I think anyone else out there who has, um, back issues and is interested in learning about some of that stuff would probably like the show with Eric Goodman, um, a whole lot. He's, uh, or, or if you don't have time to listen to the show, just watch his Ted talk, but, um, I'll put, I'll put you in touch with him, Kel, cause I think that, that would be a great place to start. And he's also someone who's an athlete, who's a surfer who has back problems and then developed this whole theory of training around it. Um, and there's a lot of really talented people in that space, but he just popped into, yeah, he actually, I do his training every day, twice a day. Awesome. That's yeah. uh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, we cannot even, I mean, I am a fit, like I said, 24 year old, I eat well, I have been, uh, you know, physically active on all different levels for a long time. And I mean, this happened to me, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so this is something that even if you're young and you're healthy, it's something you can always improve on. And, and training is so important. It's so important that if you take your foiling seriously to devote even short periods of time every day to training, you know, train your core stability, train your balance, uh, you know, strength uh, and all these sorts of different uh, regimes that you can incorporate into your life. Um, and uh, so anyways, yeah, that's that stuff's all become very important to me. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad that you are back on the water and have gone through that, you know, like when it happened to me, I was 28 when I had my MRIs and realized that I had broken pars and I thought I was gonna have spinal fusion and the whole thing. Uh, it was a good wake up call because I changed mm. habits and, um, figured out things that worked for me. And now I'm 41. I thought I was gonna have spinal fusion, you know, over 10, I'm past 10 years of when they told me I needed it and I'm in mm. better shape now than I was then. So it's like, um, get on it early though. That's, I think that's the thing and be diligent. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I mean, like anything, uh, foiling certainly will teach us that, uh, uh you know, consistency, quality and consistency, uh, putting in conscious thought, um, and dedication and having a good positive attitude toward it. Uh, all that stuff's worth its weight in gold. I love it. All right. What do you want to leave folks with Kel? Just, uh, Hope you all have an awesome 2021. Be healthy. Um, hope you can get out on the water. Uh, really look forward to uh, continuing to expand uh, our reach with the magazine. Hope you all enjoy the content. Reach out if you have any thoughts, uh, questions, ideas. Um, and stay foiling. Stay happy and healthy. I love it. If you guys aren't subscribed to the magazine, do it. Kel, what's your Instagram? My Instagram is at Kel Isay. Um, that is at K J E L L I S S E Y. Um, and the magazine is at the foiling magazine or the foiling So subscribe to the magazine, follow Kel on Instagram and Kel, thank you very much for your time. Uh, this was a super fun conversation, man. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing the upcoming podcasts. <laughs>